interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Kerry Edelman Show. Welcome to the Carry On Wind Show. I am so excited this afternoon as we have the drummer Mark Nawara from the rock band The Outfit, as well as CEO of Pavement Entertainment joining us momentarily. So before I bring him on, I always like to do just a brief introduction to the show, and then I will do an introduction for him, and then we'll have him come on for the interview. Um, I think now more than ever is a relevant time for us to be doing these types of um, podcasts and interviews because, as we know, unfortunately, with the COVID circumstances, um, we really want to get these artists out there, get their names out there, their products out there, and really have people support them. So the main reason I started this show several years ago is because I just I had a passion for interviewing. I have a background in psychology, and I really wanted to combine those two with my passion also for the entertainment industry to support others. Um, some of the artists I've had the pleasure of interviewing include the mastering engineer, Mauer Applebaum, uh, Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, Lacey Sturm, Star Set, and um, the list goes on. So please um, support all these artists. Um, take a listen to their stories. Um, I really do a different type of interview. So again, I'm really looking forward to having Mark come on. Although I mentioned I have a background in psychology, I always um, throw out there that my show is a purely entertainment show. Um, we're not going to be doing therapy or assessment. Again, sometimes, you know, if it's relevant, we might talk about some types of concepts in an educational format because the show also is a one that will educate the audience and um, sometimes there's topics that the guests will bring up that we will delve into. Um, so if you're tuning in, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com and if you want to tune in and um, call in today, the number is 805-243-1320. So I had the pleasure a couple of years ago of interviewing uh, Mike Worman, uh, who's the bassist for the outfit, and, and he was a great interview. So check out his interview. We were promoting at that time their debut um, self-titled album. But today we're going to be talking about their new album, Viking, as well as delving into Mark's entertainment history. So the outfit is a rock band. These guys are a super group uh, consisting of seasoned veterans in the music industry originating from Chicago and Arizona. And um, although they've known each other for a really long time, they really just brought this band together several years ago. They both have, you know, seasoned backgrounds in the entertainment industry, music. They've all worked in some really renowned um, bands and projects. So one thing I really like about these guys is, you know, they really bring back rock and roll. I mean, their music has catchy hooks. It's aggressive. Um, you really can't get it out of their mind, um, out of your mind. Sorry about that. So their debut album, as I mentioned, was their self-titled album. Soldier Boy was one of the singles off of it, and that made some, you know, major progress. It, it hit a 34 spot on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. And this past March, they released a follow-up album titled Viking. This one's also having some major success. The hit title track cracked the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart, peaking at 24. And the latest single, which we will feature today on the show, is titled Come Alive. It is accompanied by a really cool music video. You can check it out on Vivo. And that song is currently Billboard's mainstream rock indicator must added. So let's bring Mark on. We're going to delve into his uh, childhood, his history, um, his renowned experience in the entertainment industry, his music label, and, of course, um, talk about the outfit today. And lastly, I want to thank uh, Bar Papa George from Pavement Entertainment. I've done a ton of interviews setting up with her, and she's one of their publicists, and she's been 
always a pleasure to work with, so I definitely wanted to plug her too. All right, so let's bring Mark on. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Carrie, how's it going? I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. How are you doing with everything going on before we delve into the interview? I know this is a very challenging time. It's stressful for a lot of people, understandably, with this whole COVID situation. Yeah. So how, yeah. how are you making out? Yeah, I'm just trying to stay positive and uh, taking it kind of day by day. Uh, luckily, I'm, I'm very busy with uh, with the pavement label and stuff going on with that and uh, just trying to trying to stay focused. But, you know, it's a little challenging. It, it kind of stinks not being able to get out to the office or, you know, really, really getting outside much or, or doing much of anything. And so just trying to, you know, like everybody else, we're all doing the same thing. We're just trying to, to get through it. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, we all do what we're supposed to do. I hopefully we will get through it at some point. It's just it's just really unfortunate on you know, so many different levels. Just for people and like you said, businesses, musicians can't play out. So as I mentioned at the yeah. you know, at the beginning of my show, I really, you know, wanna have this show to support people and help them still promote their products and, and get things out there so people great. can you know? So Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that's so great. Great that you're doing that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, so welcome. I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. you got a really rich history in music and the entertainment industry. So I always like to start. Again, I do a little bit of a different interview, and hopefully it will be interesting. Um, uh-huh. Let's start from the beginning. Like, go back to when, you know, really little kid. We're talking maybe, you know, wow. six, seven years old, even earlier. And let's just talk uh-huh. a little bit about yourself as a kid. How would you describe yourself, you know, your personality? Um, and then we'll start uh-huh. to get into your passion with music yeah kind of a quiet quiet kid um okay was really into growing up um really into uh hockey uh and liked uh the chicago blackhawks um kind of infatuated with the blackhawks ever since my dad took me to a, a game when i was probably i don't know probably around eight or nine years old and uh you know just got got hooked into hockey grew up in a uh a musical house. Um, my two older brothers were, you know, were music, are musicians or, uh, my one brother passed, um, but, uh, we're musicians and oh. always, I, you know, I wake up, the memory I have is waking up in the morning, uh, and hearing, you know, all these different records being played, you know, in the house. And, and that's, that kind of like sparked my interest. And, you know, my brothers had a band going and, you know, my, my one brother, Matt was just like, well, do you ever think about playing? And then I said, yeah. You know, he's like, why don't you, why don't you play drums? And uh, he, uh, he, he started to like self just teach me, you know, he didn't know how to play drums really, but he said, here, take these pencils, take these pots and pans. And, you know, we put on a record and <laughs> this is how you do a one, two, three, four beat. This is how you do a one, two beat. Uh, and I started doing that and I started to really get into it. And then I, I, uh, begged my dad to to lend me uh, $50 to buy a really beat up used old uh, three piece Ludwig drum set and okay. uh, bought and it from real, somebody. So yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Let's just digress yeah. a little bit. So how old were you about when your older brother, cause I read, a, you know, I did my research and I had two older brothers and they were both involved yeah. in music. I don't know the details of that. So how old were you about when your one brother said, Hey, why don't you try out the drums and see if you might be interested um, in this? I, I think I was about 12 or 13, somewhere in that area. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, so you're a little older. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, digress back to talking, 
before we delve into that, talk a little bit about yeah. what type of music was playing when you woke up in the morning, like as a little kid, like what did your parents or your um, brothers listen to yeah. that got you interested? Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of rock. I, I, I remember hearing like uh, Kansas, uh, Carry On My Wayward Son, that record, whatever that album was. Uh, okay. A lot of, uh, you know, Cheap Trick uh, albums playing. I remember that. Uh, a lot of Genesis albums playing, like early Genesis, like The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, uh, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of Rainbow, uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. So that's pretty much okay. the, you know, what they were, what they were into. <laughs> so, nice, yeah. nice. What's that? And yeah. what is a little kid interested in you? Because you're hearing this in your family, and evidently, as we know, you were definitely interested in rock and hard rock when we, you know, go down the road yeah. and start talking about the different labels you were involved in and a lot of the bands you yeah. worked with were definitely 80s metal yeah. and hair metal and stuff like that. So, yeah, what type of stuff inspired you? Um, I really liked the uh, the Cheap Trick Edge, and there was a band also in Chicago uh, in the in the early days called Off Broadway. They were kind of like a poppy, uh, poppy rock, poppy, but had a heavy edge to it. Uh, so I always liked the... Uh, I like the uh, like cheap trick, the raw ed- ed- edge of cheap trick, and the the edgier side of like uh, bands like Off Broadway and stuff. So that's the kind of that's the kind of music I I was attracted to, and uh, you know really wanted to to hone in on, on that that type of music. So um, later on, I, I started getting into uh, different kinds of hair metal stuff. So I was uh, you know we'll probably get into this later, but I I, I managed a, mm-hmm. a hair metal band you know, in the eighties and uh, started getting into that, that scene a little bit, you know, later on, but my personal taste, you know, is more of a straight ahead rock, you know, Aerosmith, cheap trick, uh, mm-hmm. you know, early rainbow, stuff like that. That's what I was into. Nice. Nice. And a little bit more, cause I know music's definitely been mm-hmm. pretty much your passion and your life story, but did you play yeah. hockey throughout your youth? Were you someone who was playing in, I, you know, as a kid and in high school and stuff? Yeah, the thing was um, back then I would play. Um, I had I had roller skates and we had a basement. We lived in Chicago, right in mm-hmm. the uh, just about 15 minutes, you know, shy of downtown. And I would play in my basement and I would have roller skates. So I'd play roller hockey and I'd just go down there consistently, nonstop, and just practice and play and shoot at the net and do this and do that. Um, never uh, got into organized league hockey because. Uh, it was very expensive back then to get into that. We didn't have a lot of money and uh, you'd have to go to the ice arenas and, and, you know, get equipment and skate and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, we used to just play a lot of street hockey with, with friends and stuff. And uh, you know, in high school, we would play, you know, street or not street hockey, but you know, floor hockey, uh, that kind of thing. And I was, I was always pretty good at it, but I kind of regret that I never, uh, Really, I can skate. I can ice skate, but not really, not well enough to to play, you know, in a league. Um, gotcha. So, kind of regret. Yeah, kind of regret not, not really, uh, you know, somebody pushing me into that, or maybe financially weren't able to do it um, to get into that area, but to to try to play, you know, a little more into organized stuff. But you know, I had fun as a kid doing it, and I'm still a huge fan. I, you know, I have season tickets to to Blackhawks games and all that stuff. So it's all good. It worked out okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but I think things, and I'm sure you'll talk as we get into the interview, you know, things work their way out. But I understand everyone has, right, something they reflect back on and say, hey, why didn't I pursue that further? Or, you know, I know. But um, but that's great. That's great that you can still enjoy it. You go out to the shows. And interestingly, your 
um, what is it? Your Instagram is, is hockey crash, right? At hockey crash, <laughs> yep. which right. is, you know, yep. which is pretty relevant yep. and symbolic. Um, yeah. yeah. And my, li- so my license you. plates are Blackhawk plates and they, uh, they say, uh, I think it's uh, M M M nine for Bobby Hall was my favorite player growing up as a little kid, and his number okay. was nine. So that, that, that's actually my license plate too. So. Nice, Passion. cool. There you go. <laughs> no, that's yeah. cool, and that, that's what I like to learn about people. I mean, we'll ask you the typical mm-hmm. questions: what are your musical influences? Yeah. But you know, I want to hear more of like your story and who you yeah. are, and let people really get to know uh, Mark that's and cool. Laura. So yeah. cool. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Okay, so no getting problem. back to, let's talk a little bit about, like you said, your brothers are influencing you in music and drums. Mm-hmm. Um, how old, how much older were your brothers than you? And we know Matt currently is your guitarist, is, you know, you guys work together. Tell us a little bit about yeah. both of them growing up, and then what, um, what did your other brother play? My brother Mitch uh, was a great guy. He played bass, and uh, he was a really good uh, artist, too. Uh, great painter and, and drawings and all that stuff. He went to art school, uh, American Academy of Art in Chicago. Uh, he was six wow. years older than, than me. And uh, unfortunately he passed away in 1995 at a really young age, like at 39. Uh, oh, he, uh, he had, yeah, he had uh, came down. He was a healthy guy. It was weird. I mean, he didn't drink, smoke, do anything. And he, he came down with a rare form of, uh, cancer you know a briquette lymphoma uh, right after he got married so it just sucked it was like you know this happened and it was a it was a really dark time and you know it's still dark when you think about it <laughs> but sure uh, sure you know yeah matt's like a few years older than me um and you know uh those guys always always were into music they were always playing um, they had a couple different bands and i would watch their bands and obviously they had you know different drummers and stuff and and all that. So, um, growing up, I mean, I don't want to get too far into that yet, but growing up, um, you know, I really started playing the drums more, uh, at the age of 12 and then getting into, I remember getting into like junior high school, uh, wanting to start my own band. And I found a couple of kids like in, you know, seventh grade or eighth grade uh, from the neighborhood. And we, we started playing together and, you know, practicing like smoke on the water and stuff like that and doing mm-hmm. the songs. And, yeah, and then I, I remember my first, you know, show, actually. We did a, a talent show at the junior high school, and we played. Uh, it was my first taste of uh, playing live, and I think we only did, you know, two songs or something and went up there and did that. But that was my, my first, you know, venture into performing, you know, in a, in a live setting. Um, so right. we did that, and then I, you know, developed later on. I, I left those guys and, you know, teamed up with some other neighborhood kids and, we had a band called Killer Rock Band, and we uh, kind of did the whole uh, Alice Cooper thing where, you know, the singer, we, we built a guillotine, and we used to chop the singer's head off. and <laughs> oh. You know, kind of like, you know, kind of did the Alice Cooper thing, you know, and right. not really chopped it off, but you know what I'm saying. Right, right. But we, yeah, but we got, you know, we were kids. We were like, I was like, at that point, I was probably around uh, 15 or 14, somewhere in that area. Okay. But we would play, okay. we would play it. We played this place called the All Strand Fieldhouse. It was a, it was a place in the suburbs of Chicago, um, kind of like a community center. And uh, you know, we put on a whole concert. We would we would do it's all cover songs, but we we put on a whole concert and you know yeah. actually drew drew kids in to watch us. So we would have, you know, like we, the first show we did there, we had probably you know fifty kids. The next time we had a hundred, you know. So nice. that, that's how we 
we kind of broke into it, you know, and got into right, it. Right, right. Uh, and and, all, and all the while, uh, while I was doing all that, my brothers were playing in a different band they had. Uh, I think it was called Phenomena. And they were doing shows and, and playing co- mostly covers and doing some originals. Um, but they were doing, like, uh, old Rainbow stuff or, you know, Led Zeppelin stuff, stuff like that, and playing around, you know, not, not really clubs at that point, but they were playing, like, you know, college events and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I remember going out and, and checking all that stuff out. But um, that's, cool. that's how it all that's started, cool. you know. So did yeah. you – yeah, thank you for sharing that. Did you um, take any lessons with drums, or did your brother just kind of teach you some basic stuff and then you were, yeah. you know, pretty much self-taught, would you say? Yeah, I never took lessons. I, I pretty much self-taught. Um, he showed me some basics, and then I – I used to just put on different records and just practice to them. And then I joined uh, a drum and bugle corp uh, in the suburbs of Chicago called the Guardsmen. Air drum on that. So that was like really good practice, you know, doing the marching stuff. So I did that for a little while, for probably about a year, year and a half. Um, But pretty much other than that, I'm I'm self, you know, just self-taught basically. Yeah. No, I mean, you're phenomenal. I mean, all the guys in the band, you guys are, you know, definitely. Thank you. Definitely well-established season musicians. Um, Thank you. And you're welcome. And um, your parents, if you don't mind me asking, were any of them mm-hmm. involved in any type of music? And when, what did they do for a living? Um, they weren't. They weren't involved in music at all. Um, my parents were really, really supportive of of, of what we were doing. Uh, my dad uh, worked at a uh, car gasket manufacturer called uh, Felpro or Fel Products, uh, based in Skokie, Illinois, and he was there for, you know, pretty much. As far as I can remember, he worked. He worked there. He was a supervisor there, and you know, kind of blue collar, but uh, you know, made a mm-hmm. decent living. And my mom, my mom really didn't work. I think she had a few jobs, you know, in my childhood I could remember, you know, like grocery store okay. stuff or different things. But mainly, like you know, the mother who would cook the meals. Sure. <laughs> you know, you know, absolutely, kind of yeah. Yep, yep. That was it. But they were very, very supportive. Band practice was always at you know at our house, and. Uh, we had, uh, when we had moved from the city of Chicago to the suburbs, uh, we had a spare bedroom, and my dad converted that bedroom into a rehearsal room for us. So, you know, put cork on all the walls, soundproofed it. Yeah. It wasn't a huge, it wasn't a huge room. It was a small room, but uh, it was, uh, you know, adequate enough for us to, to rehearse in. So we used to, you know, practice at the house. And, you know, my, my dad was always really supportive. He'd, he'd buy our instruments uh you know, later on after I got that crappy drum set, you know, I remember him taking <laughs> me down to uh, Roselle Music and, and saying, you know, what do you want? And I, I saw this Ludwig uh, six-piece stainless steel drum set, and I was like, oh, I'd really like to get that, you know. And he's like, all right, let's just get it, and he bought it for me. And, it, and at that time, you know, going back to those days, it was it was probably about a 1000 bucks, you know, it was some piece right. of money. Um, but, yeah, he, he was supportive, and he bought me the drums, and, I know he brought he he bought you know Matt his uh, first Gibson Les Paul which he still has it's a nineteen seven or nineteen sixty nine uh, black black Les Paul custom it's worth a lot of money now wow uh, he still still plays it you know and he bought my brother Mitch you know his bass guitars and stuff so my dad was a was a really great great guy very supportive you know so both parents were, were totally great. supportive of what we're doing yeah yeah that's and that's so important i mean especially as and i'm sure as we delve into it you'll talk about some experiences you've had you know both in mm-hmm. you know performance yeah. aspects of the industry as well as your business aspects um and acumen sure. which is phenomenal yeah but yeah it's great mm-hmm. to have the support from them because you, yeah you just don't know if you're going to venture into that area 
right. right. You, you know, people can make it, but as we know, it's unfortunately not always the case for everyone. It's it's a very challenging um, yep. industry. Um, it is. So, it is. Yeah. Yep. All right. So getting in, like you said, you're junior high, high school, you're playing drums, you're getting involved in this. Now, did you, after high school, did you go on to college at all or any type of entertainment school, or did you just go straight, start getting really into the no, industry? The, the, the crazy thing was I wanted, uh, we had at that point, you know, uh, just going back a hair, um, my <laughs> brothers uh, had recruited me when I was 16 and said, you're going to play with us now. <laughs> right? So Okay. So, yeah, so I started playing with them at 16, and we, we had a band uh, called Oasis that was spelled O apostrophe A-C-E-S. It was based off the Three Stooges, one of the Three Stooges uh, episodes or whatever. Um, okay. My brother Mitch came up with it. But we were we, we got pretty good, and uh, it was me and my two brothers and um, another guy named Bob Michaels who sang. And uh, we started playing the Chicago uh, club circuit. And it was uh, pretty interesting because I was 16. So, you know, I was playing all these bars, basically. <laughs> so right, we were, right. We were, doing, we were doing like Haymakers. We were doing uh, Beginnings. These are all, were all big clubs, you know, in the, in the Chicago scene. And we were opening up for uh, some bigger bands. We actually opened up for John Cougar at one point. Uh, we opened up for... Uh, uh, I think it was uh, off Broadway, the boys from Illinois, all, all the local, you know, cheap trick mm-hmm. bands that were around the area. So, um, so yeah, so I got I got into that, and we were we were doing all that stuff. And as I was going through high school, you know, I was kind of like the the high school guy. Oh yeah, Mark's band is great. You know, he plays with his brothers, and you know, people were talking about it all the time. And you know, I was kind of mm-hmm. like the musician guy. Um, and I wanted, I had a fascination with actually with broadcast radio and I was thinking, I told my dad, I'd really like to go to broadcasting school, try to learn the the craft for radio, you know? And, uh, he was like, well, yeah, he goes, if you want to go, you know, you can go. We were talking about it and, you know, while all this was going on, I was finishing up high school and the band was, was really starting to pop. We were building a, a really big following around the area. Uh, and what I was doing, and this is how I got into the business side of it, um, the main goal is I wanted to get the band signed to a major label, record label. And okay. um, even though we had a couple guys that were, were managing us or trying to manage us from Chicago, um, they really didn't have the drive, you know, I guess the drive that I have. <laughs> so right, they, weren't, right. they, weren't, they weren't, kind of weren't getting the stuff done. So right. um, it was, it was pretty crazy. So when I was, you know, really young, and I was probably, I think I was 17 or, I don't know, yeah, probably 17 or maybe 18. Uh, we had this manager, his name was Dan Daly, he was managing this band, and uh, he was like, come on, we're going to go to New York, we're going to try to get a record deal, because we, we were at the studio all the time making, you know, demo tapes and recording, and mm-hmm. so he took me along, you know, and I had to talk to my parents into letting me go with this guy, you know, in New York, and uh, we flew out there, and uh you know, it was quite an experience. I'm a young guy, first time in New York City. I was like probably 18. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I was legal to get in bars. He took me to a show first night we get there. We, we went and saw this band, Girls School. I don't know if you remember that band, but uh, it was at the no. Cat Club, I think, in, in Manhattan. But okay. uh, yeah, but it was pretty crazy. And you know, ended up getting drunk as a kid and met some industry people in there, a couple booking agent guys talking to people. 
Uh, we went on, a, a, you know, long story short, we went on a few appointments to different record labels, um, you know, that he had gotten into and sat through some meetings and stuff. And, you know, we, we didn't get the deal, but, you know, I came home after that. And then I thought, you know what? It just gave me gave me a spark to want to try to get my band signed even more, you know. And, uh, right. you know, so we were kept recording, you know, more and more demos and this and that. So I put off going to, I put off going to school because I, the main, the main thing I wanted was to get the band signed and I believed I was going to be able to do it, you know? And, uh, so I, I ended up going back to New York, you know, several times once with a different manager we had, and then I started going by myself, but I started building up all these relationships. And this is all while I was working a, a day job. I was working at a photo studio after I got out of high school. I, I got a job at the studio in downtown Chicago called Cranston studio. And, I was working there and I was going to like, you know, at the time they had phone booths, I would go on my lunch hour, go to a phone booth and start calling up, you know, record labels in New York. And I was, mm-hmm. I'd use a different name. I would say, Hey, this is Mark Allen from uh, American artist entertainment. You know, I need to, <laughs> I, I want to bring this, this band by, I want to bring this demo by your office, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, and the crazy thing is I got the appointment. I got in. You know? That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was flying, so I'd fly to New York and I would meet, I was meeting with everybody, Bruce Garfield at Capitol Records, you know, uh, Hernando Courtright at A&M Records, uh, whoever oh was gosh. at Chrysalis Records at the time, uh, Jason Flom, who's a huge industry giant now. Yeah, no, I know, I, well, I know that name from yeah. Facebook, seeing that name a lot. So, yes, I know who that is. Right. Yeah. So, had, did you, wait, when you're going to these like meetings, that. did you let them yeah. eventually know your real name or they're just assuming you're Mark Allen or oh. whoever? Yeah, I think eventually when I went in there, I just said, you know, level with who I was in the band, I said, you know, and then I think I might have still said Mark Allen, but I was in the band. I don't know what I was right, doing, right. but uh, but we were, you know, we were going around and everybody was kind of turning us down. We got one spark, though, with uh, this guy, Bob Curry, who was A&R representative at EMI Records in New York, and he liked mm-hmm. the band. And he he was like, you know, oh, all right, well, what, we're going to give you a little bit of money. We're going to give you a demo deal. You guys you guys are going to demo up. Uh, I want you to, to record, just go in the studio live and record, you know, what, as many songs as you got. We want to hear them all, you know? So we did that. We got it into him. He was liking it. And then unfortunately he got fired <laughs> from, from EMI oh, gosh. Uh, at right. that point. So that crushed our, our, our dream there. So it's just, it just wasn't in the cards for, for that band to, to get signed, you know? So we, we never, you know, we never really got signed, but, uh, you know, so I was working a day gig doing that. And, and that's when, you know, shortly after that, you know, later on, I got married really early. I got married when I was uh, 21 or whatever. And I, I we, okay. we were still trying to get the, get the band going and all that. And uh, I decided, you know, that I really liked the, I was really passionate about, you know, doing the business end of it, you know, going to New York and shopping stuff and all the connections I made and, and all that stuff. So uh, after uh, after I got married, I kind of put put the drumming end of it. I told my brothers, I said, "Look, you know, I'm married now. I, I got to start making some money. I think I'm going to slip into the business side. You know, I'm going to kind of like just lay back into performing for a while. You know, see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I did. And then I I formed a management company and uh, I went out. Now was uh, that thought, real quick? Was that Pacific Entertainment? Yeah, Pacific Entertainment. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, let's start because I have a bunch of notes here on all the different, you know, your president yeah. of Red Light and all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah start from the top. Yeah. So that was Pacific Entertainment okay. you started. Yeah, so yeah, so Pacific Entertainment, um, I got married, like I said, 
um, and started uh, Pacific Entertainment with a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends uh, from the neighborhood. We, we said, look, I told him, look, you want to get involved in this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we started this management company. And we didn't really have any acts to manage yet. And I, I was looking through a, a paper, an Illinois entertainer, one of the papers, and I saw an ad for this band, Diamond Rex. They were a, a hair metal mm-hmm. band, you know, similar to Motley Crue kind of look, you know. Um, they were they were glam metal, but they were sleazy. They had a sleazy edge to them. They weren't like poison or anything. They had a rough edge to them. And okay. I, I, remember t- I remember telling my buddy and my wife and, and my buddy's wife, you know, let's go out to the show. They're playing – next Saturday, whatever, at this club, let's go check them out. And they're like, all right, well, if you want to. And we went down there and we, they were, they were, you know, playing. There was probably, I don't know, 20 people in the place or whatever, but they just had this presence that like blew my mind. I was like watching these guys like, holy crap, this is, this is amazing. This is really good. Mm -hmm. My my buddy, my buddy, my wife and his wife looked at me like I was nuts. They're like, are you crazy? (laughs) I said, no. I said, I'm going to manage this band. (laughs) And I just went up to the guys and, and and you know said hey you know you guys looking for management and they're like oh yeah for sure dude oh, yeah. so we ended up working together and I took uh and this kind of this kind of branches off of the record end of it too I, I took the money I, I we had made at our wedding and this was crazy I took like we had like I had like six grand I took that right. money and I took these guys in the studio and recorded a whole album uh, for six thousand wow. dollars. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm uh, sure I'm assuming your wife was on board with this, right? Yeah, she yeah, yes, she went along with it. So, yeah, she's very supportive too. So she went That's along great. with it. So yeah, and we started a label actually. I don't even know if you have this info. We started a label called Ocean Records. It was crazy. That went with Pacific yeah, Entertainment. Yeah, no, that's the one thing yeah. I had. The Red Light Entertainment, of course. Yeah. You know, meeting Lou Mag- Magli- 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 Maglia. Yeah. I'm not sure Malia. if I'm pronouncing Malia. his name right. Yeah, I have all that Malia. stuff, but. No, I didn't come, yeah. and I apologize. I mean, I did a lot of research. Okay. So, okay, so in addition to your entertainment company, you start this record label. Yeah, so we figure, you know, we're going to okay. start this label, uh, Ocean Records, and that's going to be because my thinking was, if I can get these guys signed to a major, then we could put our logo on the records, and we could have an imprint, you know, and who knows what could happen, mm-hmm. it could blow up, or whatever. And uh, so, anyway, so we recorded the record, we got it done. Um, I had all my connections still from all the other meetings I did in New York. So I, st- I started making my calls and again, I went out and around. So I went out to New York and I, I took the album out there. I had a, uh, these guys were so visual that I made up a, uh, like a giant poster board with this great photo we took of them. You know, it was really, mm-hmm. like a really stunning photo. And uh, so I went out and I had a demo. I had a tape. We had the whole album done, but I, I brought out only three songs on a, on a cassette and, um, I ended up going to all the labels, you know, again, I met with Jason Flom at Atlantic and, you know, uh, Capitol, all of them. So I finally, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I knew, this guy, Denny Nowak from, from the Chicago area, worked for um, Electra Records. And he, he, you know, he was a, he was a good friend of mine. I used to hang out at his office once in a while and kind of see what he was up to. And we just became friendly. And he introduced me, uh, he said, you should go see my buddy Lou Malia. He's at, he's at Island Records when you're in New York. And I said, all right, great. He goes, I'll call Lou and, you know, I'll just set you up. I'll, I'll get you an appointment there. I said, that's amazing. Great. So on that trip, I ended up going into Island Records and had a meeting with Lou, who's the president of Island at that time. And mm-hmm. it was a big label at that time. They had, you know, U2 happening. They had, you know, Robert Palmer, Steve Winwood, all that stuff going on. Right. And, uh, wow. 
went into the meeting with Lou, uh, sat down, uh, kind of intimidated, uh, just, uh, he said, what do you got for me? You know, and his, his Boston accent. And I, I said, yeah, check these guys out. They're, they're hot. They're happening in Chicago, blah, blah, blah. Showed him the picture and he's like, you know, holy crap. Those guys look insane. <laughs> and I was like, right. yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And I'm like, cool. I go here, check the music out. He puts the tape in. He plays probably, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds of the, of the demo. Uh-huh. Right. He right. shuts off the cassette player. He looks at me. He goes, you guys are an island band now. You got a deal. That's exactly what he said. Wow. And he signed the band right there, right on the spot. He's like, you know, work out the details. You know, business affairs will be in touch with you. He goes, you're not going anywhere else, right? I said, no. And as I just remember getting on that elevator, getting out of Island Records and almost, you know, jumping for joy in the elevator. I was freaking out, you know. And, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we had to record. So that's how, I, that's how I got into it. And, you know, we did the record with Diamond Rex and got it out there. It got some, some notoriety, I mean, but it didn't really do much. They sold maybe 25,000, 30,000 copies, not enough for a major, you know, to continue right, on. Right. And that, so that, that kind of ended, and uh, I broke off my, my partnership with my partner at the time, and that's how Red Light came about. <laughs> okay, so, so now Red Light, though, is that a company you started, or was that a company that you joined? Because I know a lot of the ones, I, you know, that you're a CEO and yeah, founder of. I, I started Red Light, too. So, oh, okay. So it, ha- okay. so it happened was, so Diamond Rex gets dropped from Island Records. So uh, Lou was really he was really Lou was me and Lou became really friendly and I, I know he didn't want to do it but you know it was corporate stuff he had to do it he just said right. you know it's unfortunate you know I got to do it because we're not making the money on it blah 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 I said yeah I, I get it so uh, at that point the band had a good base built up and I figured well then I'll I'll I'm going to start a, a a new label call it Red Light Records and uh, we'll do the second Diamond Rex album uh, called Rated Rex on, on Red Light you know so mm-hmm. that's what we did. So we recorded that record. Um, I needed distribution, and I started again, you know, pounding the pavement, so to say, to uh, to find a distributor. And um, I was looking, I was researching a lot of stuff, and I remember Megaforce Records at that time was was doing a lot of metal and getting stuff out there, and I and I wanted to see who they were distributed by, and I found that it was a company called Important Record Distributors, and. Uh, I ended up, uh, you know, cold, cold calling them, and somehow I got in touch with Alan Becker over there, who's the uh, VP at the time of, uh, you know, distribution or whatever. And uh, I actually, I like to do in-person meetings, so I, I actually flew out. I told him I would fly out, and I, I remember going out to New York. And it was somewhere, I don't know exactly where, somewhere on Long Island or Queens, I think it was Queens or something, but they were working out of like kind of like a modified storage shed. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> okay. And I had a... I, I, yeah, and I had a meeting there with him, and Alan's like, yeah, you know. And I, I explained everything, who Diamond Rex was. He kind of knew who they were, and I said, I'm starting this label. He goes, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give you a distribution deal. So then so then Red Light was pretty much formed, and I needed some capital um, to get the company rolling. So uh, one of my cousins is an attorney. Uh, his name is Dominic Fischera, and he actually was, was cool enough to lend me uh, – you know, I think it was $5,000 initially to start the label up. And I actually, at that point, quit my day job and everything. And that's when I got into it full time. And uh, he ended up being a partner and uh, putting more money in. And, you know, the, the company kind of evolved a little bit. We got some things going. But uh, it's just, 
you know, we weren't seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. I mean, we're still still friends and all that stuff, but it just didn't work out business wise, you know. Okay. So gotcha. yeah, but yeah, so that was uh that was the red light thing. We we put out a lot of records. We did uh I don't know how many years we were we were doing it at red light, but we, we put out a lot of stuff. We introduced a lot of um the death metal stuff before it was even popular here. So we were doing mm-hmm. uh you know, stuff uh, I remember I did a licensing deal with a label called Peaceville Records and in the UK and we were bringing over, you know, bands like pitch shifter and, uh, you know, Gorefest, And, you know, we were signing our own bands like broken hope. And, uh, I think we did the first crowbar record, you know, at, at, at red yeah, light. Yeah, so was yeah, listed, yeah, I think yeah. a band called lungs. Yeah. Lungs, yeah, lungs was actually, yeah. That was actually on, on pavement. Lungs was on pavement. Oh, that was I think, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, so we put out a lot of stuff, but I, I just wanted to, I just felt like, you know, I wasn't a, a partner kind of guy and I just wanted to do my own thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to, you know, so, so I, I just told Dominic, I just said, Hey, you know, I really want to leave and, and start my own label and, um, I appreciate everything. And, you know, he had his son, his son working there at that point. And I said, you know, John can take it over and you guys can do whatever you need to do. And if you didn't need my help with anything and we, we ended it amicably, it was all fine. You know, we, we did a little, you know, contract that, that I got out of it and, I just got out of it, and at that point, you know, I needed to start over again, and I needed, I needed funding and all that capital. So, and, and real I, quick, I, I think this is real quick. I think yeah. this is because I want I want to incorporate this in here because, yeah. again, you you definitely have demonstrated, like you you said, your perseverance and your dedication. Yeah. Were there moments where you were like, oh my gosh? Because I mean, it's great you're starting over, but there were were there moments where you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to continue to be able to start over and start over? Did you ever feel like that, yeah. or no? You just really yeah. had that energy and drive. Well, at that time, I really had to drive. I just wanted to I wanted to do my own thing, and I, okay. I really believed I could I could do bigger things, you know, and big things. And um, you know, I just felt like I was. Uh, not able to do a hundred percent of what I wanted to do at red light. So that's kind of why I, I got out of it. Um, okay. But uh, getting out of, getting out of there, you know, I, I knew getting out of there that I would need, you know, I still, I still had to support myself and needed money and all that stuff. So um, I, um, like I said, I was always friendly with Lou Malia, you know, and this guy, mm-hmm. this guy single-handedly, you know, gave me my career in the music business. And uh, I'm forever grateful to this guy. He passed away a couple of years ago unfortunately okay. but uh um he was a great just a great guy he was a guy that would give you a lot of room to do what you needed to do and you know he believed in your vision so i had called lou up and he knew i had red light and all that stuff and um i said i just told him you know, i leveled with him i said hey i, I want to start my own thing you know i need some funding and some distribution no uh, he goes well come out to la you can come out here let's have a meeting and i said yeah you know so i went out to la mm-hmm. and met with lou and um he said, well, you're quite not ready yet. He goes, come back when you get some artists, you know, that you think you want to put out and we'll have another conversation. And I said, all right. So I remember Crowbar and I was like, well, Crowbar was free from Red Light, you know, now. And, and they were still out there. And I really liked the band because I signed them originally to Red Light. And I thought they had something unique going on. They, they were, you know, they're still around, actually. Um, but uh, I uh, I talked to Crowbar and they're from New Orleans. I talked to those guys. I said, "Look, I'm trying to put together this this new label. I'm going to call it Pavement uh, mm-hmm. Music, and I, uh, I'm I, I'm hoping to get major distribution through BMG. Uh, but can I can I pitch? You know that you guys are going to going to go with me if if I can get this done. They're like, "Yeah, absolutely." 
So I went back out to L.A. to meet with Lou again, and uh, I brought in, um, you know, some demos from Crowbar and played them for him. And he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And he's like, like you really think this? You really think this is going to do something? And I showed him their pictures, you know, because they were heavy set guys. They just looked different. They weren't like okay. anything that was right. going on. They weren't like you know back then. It was like you know glam metal or bands were all you had to be fit and all that stuff. But these guys just looked crazy. Right. And he's like, "Does you really believe in this, huh?" And I said, "Yeah." He's like, "All right." He's like, uh, "I'm going to give you a deal for pavement. You know, we're going to do a deal. Uh, you know, talk to Scott Vanderbilt, Business Affairs. We'll work it out." So Lou ended up giving me. Um, a credit line to work with distribution through BMG uh, and all the support I needed. So it was amazing. So at that point I I was on cloud nine and I, I started pavement up and I had enough money to, you know, open up an office in suburbs of Chicago and Oak Brook. Uh, I had a Mm -hmm. staff of, you know, five or six people on payroll. Um, So we just started, started rolling because we had the BMG financing. And uh, so we did the first crowbar record and, and put it out. Uh, we had Philip and Salmo produce it from Pantera. I uh, went out to New Orleans and worked with those guys and got the record done and we, we put it out and uh, it ended up doing great. You know, we got, we got the band rolling and uh, it kind of helped that they were friends with Pantera because they got on, you know, a whole Pantera tour, tour right? right? When Pantera, yeah, yeah. Right. When they were starting. I read that they toured Pantera with them. And... Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were That's great. Load Pantera. And, um, so we were working it and I had, I was trying different angles and I, I, you know, the, the thing I, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of money on, on videos and stuff. So I, I told uh, Lou, give me five grand for a video budget. And he goes, you can't, nobody can do a video for five grand. I go, I'm going to do a video for five grand. So <laughs> we did a video for this track. All I had, I gave, and uh, you know, we did it. I came out great. And I remember going to LA with it and showing it to Lou in his office. And he, he calls his whole staff in and he's like, how could this kid do a video for five grand and we're spending a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars on videos. He's like screaming at these people. Right. Right. And, uh, so, you know, whatever. So the video got done. Uh, uh, BM, BMG brought it into MTV, MTV, put it on the headbangers ball and it started to really get some traction. It was doing really well. Records started selling sound scans were going up. Um, it was just getting crazy. And then at that point, I remember being in my office back at my office in Oak Brook, and um, I was thinking to myself, I saw that show Beavis and Butthead, right, on, on MTV. Yeah. And I'm like, you know yeah, what? These guys, are cr- these, get, these, yeah, these guys are crazy looking, Crowbar. I said, who creates who creates that show? And somebody told me it was Mike Judge. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I sat down. I still remember this. I wrote a handwritten note to Mike Judge uh, in my office, and I just said, you know, check out this video. These guys are on my label. It could be great for, for Beavis and Butthead. And I just put it in an envelope and sent it to New York on TV. And um, two months later, I didn't get a call from anybody, nothing. Crowbar's on Beavis and Budhead. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is so yep. cool. And then it really started exploding. It was like, oh, my God, you know, things started started moving, you know. So we, we sold a bunch of albums that did really well. Uh, you guys had, you know, had a great, great – they still have a great career. Career. I'm friends with Kirk still, the lead singer, I mean – they're they're good guys and uh yeah it's just it just went really well but that that was the whole how pavement kicked off basically you know right right yeah i mean just like you said the opportunity to to link up with um zoo and bmg with uh lou yeah Yeah. so yeah yeah, so let's take us a little bit now so your pavement's rolling crowbar's doing well and then at some point unfortunately bmg and zoo i guess lose their uh, what is it their contract or their 
So what happened? Yeah, what happened was uh, we were with Zoo for four and a half years with that deal with Lou, and we're putting out a lot of records. Everything was successful. He, he increased my credit line a few times. Things were going really well, and uh, but the label Zoo, I don't think was doing that well. So they had a few hits. I mean, the Tool thing went really big. Um, you know, Matthew Sweet was doing okay. Uh, they had that green mm-hmm. jelly thing happening. But um, what ended up happening, BMG wanted to unload Zoo, the label, for some reason, and they sold it to Zamba, I think, and a, a group of partners. It was called Volcano Entertainment Group. Um, so when they sold uh, sold it out, they made a bunch of changes. And Lou told me, he's like, look, you know, I, don't even, I don't even think I'm going to be around anymore. He goes, you're going to. You know, they're gonna your deal's gonna end. So I'm just giving you forewarning. You know, he actually gave me some money too. He's like, I'm gonna give you X amount of dollars for six months because I know this is coming to an end. You know, and uh, oh, but nice. when it, but when he goes, but when it comes to an end, he goes, I'm letting you keep all your masters. <laughs> Tell me. Wow, so that's great. Yeah, so wow. he goes, you can keep all your masters and everything, and you know, just go on with your company and blah blah blah. And uh, so yeah, so they they. They really screwed up the label Zoo ended and folded into Volcano, and they 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 got some lawsuits with Tool and all kinds of crap. And Lou ended up not working there anymore, and it just kind of folded. So I took Pavement, and I I, I put us in with uh, some independent distributors at that point, um, and we didn't have such good luck there either because we we went with a couple of distributors that went bankrupt on us. So it was really a, a tough time, you know. So right, was, what uh, time frame now? Where are we around now, time frame wise? Um, I think it's around ninety seven ish. Yeah, it's late nineties. Okay. Yeah, late nineties. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, we had to regroup, and we got screwed by uh, a couple distributors that, like I said, went bankrupt and ended up owing us like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and oh, uh, gosh. really put us in a bad position. They took, they kept our product, they kept all our cat, you know, all our stock. They were selling our stuff off to like cut out places at the time. You know, they had cut out places like Scorpio mm-hmm. Music, so they were de- really devaluing our catalog too. So it was really a tough time, you know. So um, right. at that point, you know, I I had moved to Arizona in in '96 um, from Illinois, and that's when all this stuff started really going down, uh, which is kind of bad timing. <laughs> you know, so, right. But, uh, and what, what? Why did yeah. you move out to um, Arizona? What made you transition out there? Um, well, here's the deal. My brother Mitch, the guy who passed away, was uh, really, really into Arizona. And we went out prior, like before he died, a few years before. He, we went out there because he wanted to show me Arizona. He goes, "Oh, we should come out here. Mm-hmm. We should move here, and this and that." And you know, he was getting ready, to, you know, to move out there. So after he passed away in '95, I was kind of like really, um, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I was running away from something just or what. But I was just like, I just wanted a fresh start and a change from. Right. You know all the bad memories and stuff. It was pretty crazy. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my wife liked Arizona, and we talked about it. Our kids were young, and I was like, like you know, let's just go make a fresh start. Let's go out there. And I remember, you know, you know, my dad always telling me, you know, don't just talk about things. Do it. If you want to do it, just do it. Right. You know. And uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, so we we had a house here, and we we put the house up for sale, and then we we still hadn't sold the house, but we ended up moving out to Arizona. We bought a house out there, and uh, in '96, and moved out there so uh yeah so that's that's how i got out there but it was basically because you know mitch mitch really liked arizona i liked it and we were we were probably mm-hmm. gonna move out there together you know but uh so i kind of felt like i did it for him <laughs> so no uh, that's no that's great yeah and went out there so um so yeah we were out there and so 
but going back to all that, that distributors going under and all that stuff happening. So kind of like had to, you know, re- restart things. So that's when I, I started another label called Crash. I don't know if you get that in your right. records or not. Yep, I got that. Crash but, Music Incorporated, yep. Yep, so we started Crash because the pavement catalog was getting devalued uh, from all the crap that was going on. So we started Crash. I, I made a deal. My my good friend Brian Slagle at Metal Blade uh, introduced me to uh, this guy Rick Williams at Caroline Distribution in New York, and we hit it off, and Rick gave me a a distribution deal for Crash, and uh, you know we were off and running with that. We did did some good business, you know, with Crash had all that mm-hmm. going on, and um, so that was rolling. And then I don't know if you got these this detail about me, but I started to work uh, with uh, Brian Head Welsh from Corn. I don't know if you know. know I that did or not. see that, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Corn. Yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit yeah. about yeah, how did you hook up with him? Yeah. Tell us the story behind that. Well, well, Crash was going on, and we were putting records out, and I got a call from uh, a guy who was working at A&R for me at the time, and he's like, hey, do you know Brian Welsh from Corn?" I said, of course I know him. He goes, well, you know, he went, he's a Christian now, and, and he's got a solo record done, and he's with this company, and they don't know what they're doing. He goes, they, they don't know how to put this thing out. He goes, would you want to take a meeting with this guy who works with them? And I said, yeah, absolutely, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, this, this guy, uh, I'll just say his first name, Steve, came in, to my office, we set up a meeting, and uh, he was blown away by the crash operation. We had a, you know, decent-sized office in Tempe, Arizona. We had big warehousing and all that stuff. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. He goes, you know, I'm trying to start a label myself called Fortitude Records and this and that. And we got Brian from Corn and, you know, his records on, and he played me some stuff. I thought it sounded pretty good. I was like, yeah, it sounded great, you know. Uh, he's like, uh, do you think you could get up? He goes, we've been trying like crazy get a distribution deal and we can't we can't even get through the doors anywhere and he goes you think you can can help us get a get a deal you know and i was like absolutely you know i can help you you know and i think i just mm-hmm. said just pay me as a consultant i'll go to new york and i'll get you a deal you know and um so that's what he did they gave you some money i went out to new york and uh, met with uh you know all the usual distributors you know uh sony red uh, Ryko was part of Warner Brothers. Uh, I met with Avery Lipman at Universal Records. I met with pretty much everybody, you know. Right, and right. I had I had offers basically from everybody, you know, to do it because it was it's corn, wow. Brian from corn, you know. Right, Easy, exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so all this stuff, you know, Brian was hooked in with these guys at this company Fortitude, and unfortunately, these guys at Fortitude were were taking advantage of of Brian, and they were you know, stealing from them and doing all this crazy stuff. And it was really, really messy, you know. So wow. one of the guys at, at Fortitude uh, pulled Brian out of that situation uh, while, while this was going on. And they came to my house and they're like, would you would you want to start a company with me and Brian and we'll put records out? And I was like, oh, I got this crash thing going. I said, I said, yeah, I guess, I guess you can do something like that, you know. And then we did. We we formed this company called Driven Music Group, and um, we, uh, you know, I had all the connects in, in New York. He separated from those guys at Fortitude, so those people, he got, got out of there, uh, took his master's, had everything, and we ended up doing, long story short, yeah, long story short, we did a deal with uh, Ryko uh, Warner and uh, did a distribution deal and, you know, put his record out. I kind of managed, co-managed him with this other guy for for a while, getting his solo career off the ground, Uh you know, we did one album that did really well. I think we sold 100,000 copies, um, you know, and nice. it, Brian, at that point, Brian 
somebody else got in Ryan's ear in Nashville and he wanted to leave our situation. And we all, we had another album, you know, uh, that was due to us in, in our contracts and stuff. Okay. And his okay. man, the new guy he was talking to in Nashville, you know, it was crazy because we sent him to Nashville to talk to this producer because we were going to have this producer do his second record. Well, the producer got in his ear, oh, you should leave these guys, come with me, and I can do, you know, that kind of thing. And Gosh. he ended up, yeah, it sucks. And he ended up, he ended up, you know, listening to this guy, and he, he just wanted to bolt out of our deal. So it got kind of hairy, you know, and um, uh, it ended up on good terms. I mean, we're all friends still, uh, and everything's good. Uh, we, we It was kind of hairy for a while. But, uh, you know, so I, I co-managed, you know, Brian Wells for a while and went on the road with him and, did stuff and all that stuff. And then, and while still doing the crash thing, you know, and, uh, right. At that point. Yeah. After that, at that point is when, um, you know, things started to crash with the economy. I don't know if you remember, but like around the housing market bust and all that stuff around 2008 or whatever, seven or Mm -hmm. whatever it was, but it got kind of crazy. And, uh, I, I don't know, after that, that whole head thing, I kind of got, got kind of depressed because you know we, we worked really hard on it and it just ended ended poorly you know didn't end the right way and uh i just uh you know was talking to my wife and i said you know maybe it's time to go back to chicago you know what do you think and she's like well yeah i kind of like to be around my family again blah 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 so mm-hmm. we ended up moving back in 2009 to chicago and uh you know we i was still doing the crash stuff you know i was kind of doing some consulting work and not really pushing too hard on the label side because that's when, when all the digital stuff was happening too. So the industry was really changing, you know, it was getting kind yeah, of crazy. Yeah, and that's something, you know, as, as we talk a little bit, bring that in because, I mean, you really have that rich experience of what, you know, the industry used to be like before uh, this internet took yeah. over and iTunes and Spotify and all this stuff came. So, yeah, please incorporate yeah. some of that stuff. You did have yeah. to change it. was beautiful time. back in the day. I mean, when, when when you could ship CDs and sell CDs, I mean, it was very lucrative, and you could make a lot of money, you know. But now, um, you know, like I said, it started to change around that 2009 point where stores right. were getting less and less, people were closing down, you know, that whole Napster thing was going on. And and then, you know, Apple came in with the iTunes thing, and we thought that was bad, but at least we were making, you know, download money at that point. You know, now we're not even making right. that. Um, but, yeah, it just got kind of kind of like a scary, you know, kind of a scary time, you know, so, it was, you know, I had my hands in a lot of, a lot of different things and, uh, you know, consulting, doing things and uh, long story short, I, I was, I've been friends with this guy, Tim King for, for many years. He's in the band Soil. He's a bass player actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Let me, um, I mean, I interviewed him years ago when he released his album Hole. He was great. Um, and I, that's actually yeah. one of my most memorable interviews. He was a great guy. Yeah. Tell us, yeah. How did really you meet him? Just, just from yeah. being well, in the industry, met, or yeah, we we knew each other from the red light days because he was actually okay. He was actually work. He was actually working. Our office at Red Light was down the hall from uh, Red Distribution, and he was working at Red Distribution. So I, I knew Tim for many many gotcha. years, you know, and okay. we were always friendly. And he knew I was back in town. You know, we used to talk every so often, email once in a while, or or talk. And yeah, he was like, "What are you up to?" I go, "I don't know." I go, "I'm back in Chicago." I go, I'm just I was working out of my cousin Mike's law office because I didn't even have an office. And like, I'm just consulting. I'm doing some things and trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, you want to have lunch? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's have lunch, you know. So we had lunch. And mm-hmm. We just started talking about how great pavement was of a label and this and that. And we're talking. He's like, you know, we're like, why don't – I go, why don't we resurrect pavement? Let's just bring it back. 
I go, I go, Tim, you got such a rich history of, of you played all over the world with soil. Um, you're right. friends with just about every band out there. You know, everybody, I said, <laughs> you know, I said with my expertise of running the label and your expertise on the, on the artist side, I said, it's, right. a, it's a winning combination. It's a great thing. Like, you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm working in a fish store right now, <laughs> like, you know, pet store. And I'm, <laughs> right, and I'm right. doing soil, you know, when I can, you know, I said, yeah, right. you know, so let's try it. Let's do it. So yeah, that's what we did. And then we decided to, uh, Resurrect Pavement, and I believe that was in 2012, maybe. I don't, I don't remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, around then, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, like I said, you know, we started getting more into the active rock side because that's where Tim's history was at. You know, he knew a lot of those bands and stuff. So we needed a distribution deal, and uh, I called up my old buddy again, Alan Becker at Sony at Red. And uh, Alan was like, Yeah, he goes, We're interested. I got some ideas. You want to fly to New York? Let's discuss some stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, and, uh, you know, and uh, he was like, uh, we went out to New York, me and Tim went out, we went out there, met with Alan, and then Alan was like, you know what, what kind of infrastructure do you got, what do you got, we got nothing, I go, it's me and Tim, he's like, right. I got an idea, <laughs> he's like, I want to, he goes, I want to set you up with Missy Colazzo at Megaforce Records, she's got a support staff, blah, 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 she can do this, she, she puts everything through the Sony system. This could be a great marriage. This could be fantastic. And at first, I wasn't too convinced. I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go third party, this and that. You know, I've never done that and, uh, other than with the zoo deal. And, you know, he's like, look, just, just right. take a meeting with Missy and let me know how it goes. And we ended up meeting with Missy, and, you know, it was just a great, great meeting. We hit it off really well. We, we saw, you know, eye to eye and everything. And um, we've been with Missy now for seven years, ever since that day. I mean, and it's been wow, amazing. Great. So you're yeah. still connected with Megaforce? You guys have like just, I yeah. guess, in, in terms yeah. of understanding Megaforce, the business side. Okay. Yeah, Megaforce, Megaforce distributes us, basically, and they, gotcha. they do a lot more than that. I mean, they distribute us. Missy helps with a lot of the marketing, um, you know, all, all kinds of things. So it's, it's, it's really great. She's got an office in New York. Anytime I'm in New York, if I need an office, I got one there. Um, it's nice. just a, a really good situation. Um, you know, it's the most enjoyable experience I've ever had with working with somebody. She's such a great person, and it's, it's just mind blowing. So we're, we we have a great That's relationship, really cool. and yeah, we've been going going for a long time. So ever since twelve, I mean, we've been we've been cranking out the stuff. You know, we've done a lot of records, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, we we you know, as you probably know, we did a, the last Puddle of Mud record. Um, yep. Uh, we, yep. We we have Candlebox signed. We've done you know Power Man Five Thousand Soil. Um, just head PE, you know, many, many bands. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Flaw, really well. Flaw's on it, Flaw, Cabo. Yeah, um, Cabo, yeah. Okay. Yeah, love them. Flaw. Yep. Yeah, Flaw's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, that's how, you know, that's that's how my, man, you got it out of me. That's my whole <laughs> back, <laughs> background. No, well, thank you. Well, well, you got, you shared it, so thank you. No, I mean, it's, it's a really cool, rich history, and I think, you know, I, and something, I just want to mention this here, because now we're going to delve into the outfit, because we got to spend some time on the yeah. outfit and play your new single and all that yeah. good stuff. But, I mean, I just want to really compliment your company, Mark. I mean, again, I, you know, I have this side of the industry where I love interviewing people. I'm not involved in the business aspect, per se, but I think I've had yeah. a ton of experience in talking to different PR people, different labels, and booking interviews, and Believe me, we could do a show just talking about that stuff. Again, keeping things anonymous, yeah. talking real names. 
But the one thing I really want to compliment Pavement about is your team. I mean, I've, you know, done some interviews um, with your daughter, Heather. I've scheduled some through, you know, yeah. majority have been through Barbara. But I just want to say yeah. that they have always been just so professional, such a pleasure. They get back to you in a timely yeah. manner, whatever you need. To, you know, it's just been so easy working with them. And I hope that's one of the reasons that they continue to contact me and say, hey, we got this band on Pavement. You want to interview them? Um, because, for yeah, sure. I really yeah, work well sure. with them. I mean, I think that's- you know, you got to take pride in your job, and and I mean, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to treat people right, and you got to be on top of your game. You know, and that's it. Yep. I mean, a lot of people, communities, if you if you slack or, or you know, so that's what I tell everybody. You know, let's just be professional and, and you know polite, and let's let's get the job done, basically. Right, and and just out of curiosity, do you have like meetings with your team and and go over stuff and mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what we need to be doing and that type of thing. Sure. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. We'll have, you know, nice. especially when we're doing a big, bigger project, like, you know, candle box or, or puddle of mud and stuff. I mean, yeah, right. we'll have, we'll have strategy meetings and, you know, we'll get on, on call or we'll, even in person. I, I, I always come, you know, I, I come to New York a lot, you know, and I just pray to God that everything gets settled up over there because I love that city. And, um, right. um, right. yeah, I come to New York a lot. And we'll, we'll, you know, Barbara's from New York, obviously, uh, John Suchek, who's our radio guys in New York, Missy's in New York. So, when I come to New York, I'll come in for like a week and we'll, we'll have, you know, we'll meet almost every day, you know, we'll just, we'll just have meetings and we like right. to go to the Irish pub on 7th Avenue. We'll have meetings till three in the morning. <laughs> so it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, well, I hope that have, can come back have, for you soon. Yeah. I feel like I'm a, I've had so many here real quick. Let me just give you a rundown. Then we're going to get into the outfit. So yeah. These are some of the bands yeah. I've interviewed from Steve and I think I already have some type mm-hmm. of a relationship with you guys. Um, uh-huh. Claw, Cavo. Again, some of these yeah. might not be on the label anymore. Um, Farewell yeah. to Fear, Blackwater Rising. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, all those guys. I think Farewell to Fear is not with us anymore. Blackwater Rising technically still under the roster. Uh, Cavo's still under. Uh, so right. yeah, they just haven't done anything in a while, you know. But yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, so and there's others, but I won't. I won't. There's about five yeah. other ones too, but I don't think they're all yeah. with you. But again. Just, it's always been, I just want to say, really a pleasure working with you guys. And, and I really do um, respect the label. Thanks. And if yeah, if I ever had to refer anyone, just with all the stuff I've done band-wise, I'd say, you yeah. know, check out Pavement if you want to submit a press kit. At least uh, give them a chance to check you out because they just look like a great group of people to work with. Really, really so. appreciate it. Thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate yeah. that. And thanks for taking yeah, the time to do our band and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's get show. into the outfit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about, I know you guys formed back in around, I think it was 2016. Um, so, yeah, yep. tell us a little bit about, we know you and Matt are brothers. How did you guys yep. meet Mike, who was also, I know he was part of Off-Broadway at one sure. point, and um, yeah. Andy Mitchell, who yeah. also has a big background with Dish and Verona yeah. and Bolt 9. Yeah. 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 Well, the way it happened was... Um, I don't know, around 2016, like I said, I had put my drums away for a while. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. my brother, my brother, Matt's always been playing. He always bugging me, you know, let's get something going. Let's get a project going. He goes, you got a label. Come on, let's get a band going. And I, I was always like, I don't know, man, I'm really busy. You know, it's hard. It's hard. I had a lot of stuff to juggle. And he finally talked me into it. So um, he, uh, he talked me into it. I, I bought, you know, I, I bought a drum set again and, uh, we started jamming, you know, some riffs and ideas out, and uh, we got to a point where we got a song structured, and 
I said, all right. I said, well, let, you know, it's for fun. Let's just go. You know, I, I had a connection with a studio here in Chicago called Sonic Palace. Uh, my buddy, Matt Mercado, he's, uh, he's been around too. He's, he's, he was in a band called Mind Bomb. They were signed to Mercury at one point, but he's a, he's okay. a great guy. He's got great ears. He's a great engineer, great producer. He's got his own studio. So Matt, if we could come in Mercado, if we could come in, me and my brother, Matt, to the studio and record this one track, I said, look, we're just doing it for fun. We want to see what it sounds like. He's like, yeah, man, come on in. No problem. So we went in and me and Matt laid down, uh, the drums and, uh, uh, guitar, to the song that is now called Just As One. It's on our first record. So we did the drums and guitar to that. And it sounded mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I go, well, what are we gonna I go, what are we gonna do? We need a bass player, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. Matt's like, Well I could play bass. I go, No, I gotta I wanna get a real bass player. And uh, I I thought back to uh Off Broadway was one of my, my favorite bands growing up and we've known Mike Gorman uh throughout the years because I, I actually worked with Off Broadway a little bit, you know, back in the in the mid nineties. Um, so okay. we were friendly with Mike, Mike Gorman and I, I was friends with him on Facebook and I, I sent him a message and I just said, Hey Mike, uh, Mark here. Um, I said, listen, me and my brother Matt are, are screwing around. We're going in and, and recording a, a track. I'm going to say, you know, as you probably know, or you might not know my brother, Mitch, who played bass passed away, you know, many years ago and we need someone to play bass on our, on our song, you know? And he wrote me back right away. Mike, Mike's one of the greatest guys in the world. And he wrote me back and he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come down and do it for you, you know. Nice. And this guy, you know, is one of the renowned bass players in the city. He's the best bass player in Chicago. It's amazing. He's insane. Wow. And I was like, I was like this is great. So Mike came in and a uh, real humble guy, nice guy, came in, laid the bass down to it. We didn't think much of it. You know, I even slipped him some money. I said, I feel bad, Mike. I go, you're just take like a hundred bucks just for doing it. You know, he didn't want to take mm-hmm. it, you know, but I, I gave it to him. And he, <laughs> and he we, we didn't think anything was going to come out of it. We just, you know, he did the bass. And then Matt and I were sitting on that. So we're, we're listening to the, the full track, the guitar, drums, and bass. We're like, wow, this sounds pretty powerful. And he, Matt's like, well, we need a singer. What are we going to do? You know, I was like, I, I don't know. And then I thought back to my Arizona days when I lived there. Um, there was this this band at the time they were called Nine Volt, and um, I actually signed them to to Pavement, and okay. uh, Andy was the singer, <laughs> and, okay. and, I was, and I was friends with I was friends with Andy all these years, still you know Facebook friends. We we you know we were friendly. We weren't you know best friends or anything. And I thought about it. I told man, I go this guy Andy Mitchell, that voice I like. He sounds kind of like Robin Zander meets. Uh, you know, the guy mm-hmm. from the Toadies or something. I, get, he, he just, I think he's the voice. And Matt's like, you think so? I said, yeah. I get, he goes, well, send him the music and see if he wants to, he wants to sing to it. I said, all right. So I hit him up and I asked him. He's like, yeah, I'm game for it. He goes, just send it out to me and I'll I'll go to the st- local studio in Arizona here and I'll lay down a vocal and I'll send it back to you and see if you guys like it. I go, yeah, Andy, we're cool. just doing this for fun. We're just messing around. He's like, yeah, all right, cool. A couple weeks later, we get it back and it's like, Wow, <laughs> that's great! You know, this is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And Matt's like, "Let's go do another song." So we went in the studio and cut another song. And at that point, Mike came back in, and Mike heard the finished version of the first song, just as one. And Mike was blown away. He's like, "Holy crap! This sounds great!" I go, well, "What do you say, guys? You want to do this or not?" They're like, "What do you mean?" Mike said, "I go, what do you want to do? We're going to do this. We're going to start a band." And Mike's like, I'm in. <laughs> nice. You know, Matt was in. I went to Andy and said, look, we're going to do this for real. You want to do it? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I'm in. He goes, we'll make it work. And that's how it started. That's how it and That's then we great. Just rolled along and we recorded, you know, uh, 
whatever, eight more songs. We recorded eight more tunes and worked it that way. The same, same process. You know, we did the basics and send them, sent the tracks out to uh, Arizona for the vocals. And then uh, they came back here. And then once they came back here, um, you know, what we wanted to do was get a really slick mix on it. And, you know, I, I have a relationship with this guy, Albert Wild out in LA and we yeah. had to mix it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how it started. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great story. And it's it's cool to see you come full circle. You know, like you said, you had been out of kind of the performance aspect for a long yeah. time, focusing, yep. you know, majorly on your on the business part. But so that's really cool yep. to see kind of it all culminate, come together. And now you have kind of the best yep. of both worlds, so to speak. Yeah. All yeah. right. So yeah. great. So again, congratulations on the success of your first album, which was your self-titled Thanks. album and Soldier Boy, yep. you know, did some yep. major, um, stuff on the Billboard Mainstream Rock charts. So let's fast forward to now talking about the new album, which just came out around, what, March 27th? I'm yeah, not the that greatest right. timing with, with uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Not the but, greatest okay. timing with what's going on in the world, but, you know, it is what it is, and there's no turning back. But anyway, yeah, so it came out March 27th, and uh, just prior to it being released, we, we did a West Coast tour. We toured with... Uh, with Soil, actually, my good buddy Tim. Um, mm-hmm. So we played uh, in February uh, this year. We played uh, Las Vegas at Count Vance. We did the Whiskey A Go Go, which was killer. Uh, nice. We did San Diego, Brick by Brick. We did Arizona, and then came back, and then the album got released, and uh, all the COVID uh, pandemic started. Um, it just got released. Uh, we're uh, we did a video for our single uh, Come Alive. Well, first we did a video for Viking. Um, the track Viking was released early as an instant grad track. So that was actually released mm-hmm. in uh, January, I think. And uh, we did a lyric video for that. It got a lot of traction. We got like 350,000 views on it, something like that on YouTube. Yeah, um, that's great. But it, it did, also did pretty um, good. And it, it billboard, did well yeah, in the mainstream. Yeah, the billboard charts too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, this did pretty well. It's a heavier edge song. We knew it was a good song because we were, we've been testing that song out live for a long time now. We wrote it, wrote it probably about a year and a half ago, but we would play it live, and every time we play it, the crowd, you know, really seems to react to it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we went out with that one, and now we we got the follow-up single, uh, Come Alive, which we're getting a really good feedback on. It just got released to radio last week, and I think it was number one most added uh, in Billboard uh, indicator uh, this week, yep. this past week, uh, mm-hmm. and we're going to start pushing that, pushing the hell out of that one. And trying to get it going, and uh, yeah, yeah. So wait, this know, will be a good time to talk a little bit about "Come Alive" because I'd like to feature that one today, so yeah. people can uh, get a taste of sure. the album if they haven't already heard some of the music. So yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about "Come Alive." I think it. I read a little bit about okay. it, but you know, tell us a little bit about yeah. the symbolism and the background behind the uh, the meaning to that song, and yeah. then we'll check it out. Okay. Yeah, Andy actually came up with it, so he came up with. Uh, the lyrical content and, content and all that, but uh, it's basically uh, from what he said, t- told me, uh, it's about uh, visiting your 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 past relatives visiting you in your dreams. So I don't know if you ever had that happen to you, but I have, and I, I think a lot of people might have. Um, but it's it's about going to sleep and then your 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 past loved ones uh, visit you in your mm-hmm. dreams. You get to connect with them in your dream. And you really don't want to wake up because you're having a good time visiting with your relatives and your dreams. So that's kind of that's kind of like what it's about. The video is a little different. Uh, the concept of the video 
we, we did it a little different. It's, it's like, you know, a planet to planet, like a different planet kind of thing. Um, but that's basically, you know, the original theme of what the song, you know, was about, what Andy wrote it about anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's a really cool track. So, yeah, let's check this out. I have some questions about the video. I think the video is really unique and interesting. Yeah. It has kind of an animation yeah. quality to it. So when yeah. we get back, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. But, yeah, let's do that, okay. Mark. I'll put you on hold. We'll check out Come Alive, right. and then we'll come back, talk more about the outfit. Oh. And uh, All right? Great. Okay, That's cool. On. Great. Thanks. Okay. All right. Waiting for this. So there we go. Um, okay. Again, everyone, you're listening to Mark Noara from The Outfit, and uh, we're going to check out his hit single, Come Alive. It is off of the album right now titled Viking, so if you already haven't picked up a copy, go to iTunes, Amazon Music, you know, any of the major uh, digital distribution sites and download it today. It's a great album. I'll share with Mark when we come back some of my favorite uh, songs off of it. But here we go. Check it out, Come Alive, and we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Oman Show. Again, the outfit and their hit single, Come Alive, as I mentioned. Check out the album. It's a full-length album, and it is available on all digital mediums. So definitely download a copy of it today. Um, many more tracks that are just as good as that on it. So please pick up a copy and uh, support this band, as well as go to Pavement Entertainment's um, website and check out all the other people on their label because there's so many great artists that they're representing and they all have amazing music. All right, let's bring Mark back on. Hey, Mark. All right, great track. Hey. Really, really good stuff. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's the perfect uh, example of a perfect single because you got that three minute and 30 seconds. It's a, it's a wall yeah. of music. It's memorable. Uh, it's aggressive, but it's still really melodic. And uh, the mix is yeah. great too. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Cool. cool. I love so it. Some of I'm my across. favorite songs real quick. I have them written here. Of course I like Viking and come alive. They're great. Um, Bleed in the dark yeah. is really cool. Um, sirens, yeah. wolves, and sitting here alone. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one too. So those are some of my my picks off of the yeah. album. Did you did you, uh, did you see the video on sitting here alone? We did. I don't know if you've seen that, but we did a For uh, sitting here alone. Stay at home. Yeah, we did a stay at home kind of video. Just uh, kind of. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check uh, that one out. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't see that, but I'll check it out. All right. Yeah. Just type in her name in YouTube and that song title. You'll you'll run across it. All right. Cool. Cool. So. Yeah, tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, the video. Who who created the video? They did an excellent job. And as I said, it's, it's really cool because it has this, you know, kind of old-school animation quality to it. Yeah, it actually was done by a company in Italy, believe it or not. Um, this guy, Stefano, uh, had approached us, and he's done a lot of uh, – he's starting to do a lot of bands, I think, now. But um, it, it, it was like a paper-cut look, you know, paper-cut video mm-hmm. where paper cutouts and uh, – you know, I gave him our concept originally about the, you know, visit the visiting your relatives, your past relatives, and it's like, well, I don't know if I could do that with the paper cut. You know, how about if we do this uh, communicating from one planet to another, and the guy's going to the planet? I said, yeah, that sounds cool. So, uh, yeah, so he just came, he came up with the concept, came up with that idea, and uh, he said he wanted to have us performing, you know, as as paper cutouts, uh, but are real images, and so we shot mm-hmm. those scenes in Chicago on a green screen. And uh, ended up sending those over, you know, to Italy. And then he ended up, you know, putting it all together and, and sending it back. But I think it's pretty unique. It came out cool. And it's we wanted to do something a little bit different, you know, not the standard standard look of videos. And, uh, right. you know, it seems like it's doing okay. It's got it's got some views on YouTube going. So I think it's it's doing pretty good. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Again, I like stuff that's unique and a little bit different and, you know, not just the same kind of cookie cutter stuff. So, no, he did an excellent job with it, and the concept is really yeah. cool. So, yeah, people people definitely have to check that out. Good stuff. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, the album. Let's talk a little bit about real quick the, you know, why'd you call it Viking? Let's talk about the, I always, again, my psychology background, I like symbolism. I like things that kind of look at depth. Yeah. So, the artwork's really yeah. cool. Um it looks yeah, a little chaotic yeah, with, the, with the ship. So tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, well, we, we wanted to make a, a forceful kind of statement, like a forceful in-your-face uh, statement. That's uh, a rock album. And, uh, you know, Viking was the song that we came up with a year and a half ago that's been going over well uh, mm-hmm. in front of crowds and stuff. And, uh, you know, Andy, again, came up with the, the, the lyrical content and called it Viking and all that. And 
thought it was kind of cool. And we're, we're sitting around like, what should we call the album? And I just said, how about Viking? I go, it's a statement. It's bold. And uh, I, I go, it could be cool. We could, we could make it like a darker uh, imagery and, you know, Viking battleship on the sea and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody liked, liked the concept. And then I thought about my, my buddy, uh, San Diego, this guy, uh, Travis Smith. He's an artist, and he, he's done a lot of album covers uh, over over his career, um, and he's a great artist. So I, I asked him if he'd be interested in doing it. He usually does metal stuff, and I said, you know, we're, we're a rock band. He goes, that's all right. He goes, he goes, send me a track so I could, I could buy the music, and I sent him the, the Viking song, and he really liked it. And he's like, yeah, let me come up with some ideas, and he came up with that cover concept, and we just fell in love with it. We were like, man, this is totally cool looking, you know, it's great. And, yeah. uh, you know, he came up with the idea and all that. And we just we just rolled with it, you know, and uh, we're happy we did. I, I really like it. I think it's cool. Yeah. No, I think it's a really cool cover. Like you said, it's definitely in your face mm-hmm. and it definitely captures, like you said, the, the fact that you're going to be listening yeah. to a rock album. Yeah. 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 We just had a we just had an article written about us in the Illinois Entertainer here and. On okay. the cover of the magazine, it says "Respect the Vikings." <laughs> the outfit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah nice. Funny. No, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit, and then we'll. You know, I don't want to keep you on forever. I could interview you probably for another hour, but we're not going to do that. Um, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about the recording process. Like you said, your relationship with um, Erlich Wild, and you yeah. know, how long did it take you to record the album? And um, uh, tell us a little bit about it that took process. Us about a year. Yeah, it took us about a year and two months to record the album. Um, okay. Just because we took we took our time on it, and we would go in the studio, and we didn't we didn't go in and hammer out. Okay, let's let's record ten ten rough tracks today. Let's do ten drums. We didn't mm-hmm. do it like that. So we would go in and do like three you know three songs at a, at a time, maybe two or three. And, uh, and as far as I mean songs, we would we would do the basic you know drum tracks, uh, you know mm-hmm. rough guitar tracks and you know, add in the real guitar tracks and Mike's bass and all that stuff. So it, it took us some time, you know, to, to get it going and get it recorded. But, uh, you know, we didn't rush anything. We went in and, and played played it the way we wanted to play it. Uh, and it takes time, too. When, when you get out of Sonic Palace, we have to, you know, send the mixes over to Arizona. And, you know, Andy's got to go in the studio there and, and track the vocal. And then he sends it back to us. So that's why it's all time, a little bit time-consuming. Uh, I went back to Ulrich Wild, um, who did our first record too. He, he did the mix on that one, and uh, just said, "Hey, are you up for doing number two? And he's like, "Absolutely." And mm-hmm. uh, we started feeding him tracks to mix. He didn't get them all at once. He got like you know three at a time too, and uh, he would mix them together. And uh, we would you know go come back with some notes here and there, but nothing, nothing major. Ulrich, Ulrich definitely uh, sprinkles the magic dust on it. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. So. Um, yeah, it was just a process, you know. It took took about a year and two months to get the the whole process done, and then getting the artwork done and everything, and and all that stuff. But uh, we're really happy, you know, with with how everything turned out. And I think the album sounds really powerful. You know, I've been listening to it on a couple different systems, and I think uh, mm-hmm. between Matt Mercado uh, here doing the engineering and and helping with some production, and Ulrich doing the mixing and mastering, it's just it's just a winning combination. It's great, you know. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, no, it's a great album. And I think you make an important point is that, you know, people, it, it is important to take your time. I understand sometimes you're on a label and it's yep. like, you know, you got this amount of time mm-hmm. with your contract and you got to produce this and many albums or whatever. Yeah. But 
it does show in the end. If, if you do take your time like you guys did and you put that effort in and, you know, make sure everything's mm-hmm. where it needs to be, it's, it's going to show. Um, so you guys yeah. definitely demonstrated that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate yep. it. No, it's a great album. Really good stuff. So, yeah, yeah so what's, uh, I guess we'll wrap things up. And, of course, as I always say, um, you're always welcome on the future if you have new music coming okay. out or, you know, we can talk about some Appreciate other type it. of an interesting interview to do. But, yeah, what's in store yeah. for, I understand things right now. There's not going to be live shows right now, but hopefully down the road, mm-hmm. anything in the works that you guys are hoping to do um, once we start to see a little bit of an end to the well, tunnel with this whole COVID thing? Yeah, we have, I mean, we have dates on the books right now, but I'm not really confident that they're going to play out. Um, right. So we, hit, you know, we have some cool shows coming up, but I don't know if they're going to happen. So we're we're supposed to open for Puddle of Mud in Detroit, St. Andrews Hall, on July 10th, I believe it was, and uh, okay. we're on a mud fe- we're on a mud fest here in September. Uh, we got another date with Puddle of Mud in Southern Illinois in September. Uh, we're supposed to open for King's X uh, July 31st at uh, Arcata oh, wow. Theater here in St. Charles. So. Uh, we were booked for a festival in August, uh, Rock the Fox here in Illinois. So I don't know. I mean, it's just I don't I don't I not really confident that they're going to happen. You know, so it's kind of like a bummer because we worked really hard to put together the dates and and all that stuff. But you know, it is what it is. So you just got to roll with the punches. And um, we're in the meantime, we're you know we're we're going to be uh, doing doing some uh, some more of these uh, in home video things. We're probably going to. We talked about it actually earlier today. We're going to do uh, a basement version of uh, Come Alive, just, you know, sink into the track and, you know, all of us playing out of our homes and doing a split screen on it, kind of like what we did sitting here alone the same way. So, yeah, we're going to do that. So we're doing stuff like that. We're writing writing a little bit of music. Uh, It's kind of hard to think about a new album now because we're trying to focus on promoting this new one, you know. So, uh, but Andy has come up with some ideas and we have been writing a couple new, you know, new songs. Um, But, um, we're just chopping at the bit, you know, we want to get out there and play because we love to play live. And, uh, you know, we, we hooked ourselves up with a booking agency now and, uh, you know, they had a lot of plans uh, to get us out East, even to you know, come out to Long Island and, and Jersey and you know, well, Philadelphia and all that stuff. So we definitely want to get out that way. So we're just, we're just hoping like everybody else and praying that this, you know, something happens here with this virus that we can, you know, contain it or it burns out or whatever's going to happen, you know, so we can get back to right. somewhat of a normal life, you know, so. I know, um, I know. That, yeah, it sucks. It does. And, I mean, in the meantime, hopefully even if these, you know, some of these earlier shows you have don't pan out, hopefully down the road you guys can just push them out a little further. You know, so hopefully yeah. at some point they'll happen, even if unfortunately they can't happen as soon as July. Yeah, that's what'll happen. I mean, it'll just get postponed, and hopefully, we'll still be on the bill. <laughs> and, yeah, and, no, uh, no, you'll still be on the bill. <laughs> you guys got yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, it's just a matter of you know we're trying, you know, staying safe and doing what they're telling us to do, and and uh, you know, there's not really too much anybody can do, you know, other than right kind of wait it out, right? So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, um, it sucks, but yeah, but I, mean, I miss I miss I miss it. I miss traveling. I miss all that stuff. So that sucks. Well, yeah. I mean, for you personally, also for all your artists, you know, I'm sure everyone yep. is just, you know, bite, like you said, chomping at the bit to just be like, let's let's hopefully get through this and get back out there and have all our fans yep. out there. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a shame. Yeah. It is. Yeah, we're, we're sitting is. on a new Candlebox album that's entirely done, and we're not. Oh, releasing really? It yet, so. 
it's on hold. Okay. I mean, we're going to probably put one track out coming up soon. Uh, but other than that, because, you know, the band, you know, we had they have a tour planned for the fall, and that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird time, you know. So we got a lot of money invested in that one. And between us and the band's management and the band discussing it, we're kind of like, all right, let's just hold on for a while, you know. So Yeah, we'll no, I think that's a good plan. But like you said, at least – let the fans hear mm. something new. I mean, their last album, I never, yeah. I, I would love to interview them at some point. Um, mm. The last album was great. So I'd love to at some yeah. point bring them on down the road. Yeah, great yeah. guys. Yeah, we can make that happen. Yeah, great guys. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Very cool. Well, why don't we do this? Share um, some of your, you know, some of your social media sites, uh, pavement site and stuff where people can find you, where people can follow okay. you, get a copy yeah. of your album, yeah. and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, pavement. I mean, it's pavementmusic.com. That's the main website, and we're also on uh, Facebook. I think it's uh, I think it's pavement uh, E N T on Facebook. Uh, pavement Entertainment mm-hmm. for Entertainment. Um, the outfits on Facebook. Um, uh, our main site, our website is theoutfit uh, dot rocks. That's our, our website. Uh, Facebook is uh, Facebook slash theoutfit rock. And we're also on uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. So uh, probably just search us out there, and I'm sure you'll you'll run into us. Mhm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Thank you so much else, for like, such the a. Avail- yeah. The album's available everywhere, like you said, on all the digital platforms, and uh, you know, Amazon has hard copies too. We have hard copy CDs as well, so they're out there. Cool. Cool. Well. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Mark, and uh, amazing no music problem. and, you know, the great company that you guys have with Pavement and all the support you're giving to the artists. So just just great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the interview. I really appreciate it and appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just so you know, if you're interested, the podcast will be available probably within an hour or so after the interview's done. So if you want to share that for anyone who hasn't been yeah. able to you know, tune in. That would be great. They could download it for free on iTunes or just through my website. So that would be awesome. For sure. Yeah, we'll put it on all, all right. We'll get it everywhere as soon as it's ready. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Mark, and good luck to you and everything right, you're Gary. doing. Okay. Take care. Thanks Have a lot. Great Talk day. to you soon. Bye. You too. Yep. Bye. 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 All right, everyone. Mark Noara from uh, the Outfit and also the CEO of Pavement Entertainment. If you tuned in late, the podcast will be available to download either off of Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. Um, Give it about, I'd say, a good, I don't know, half hour or so. And again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the support. Check out the podcast. There's probably, I guess at this point, about 250 interviews I've done with musicians, comedians, um, and a variety of other entertainers in the uh, industry. So please give them the support. If you want to follow me, I am uh, on Carrie Edelman on Facebook. I have two personal pages. Um, I also have the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Carrie Edelman. So that's the way to kind of keep up with stuff. I always post when I have new interviews coming up and the links for them. So, again, thank you so much for the support, and uh, everyone stay safe right now. And please follow the CDC guidelines with the whole COVID situation and, and be safe and healthy, and hopefully we will eventually start to uh, come out of this on the other side. So thanks again, and have a great day.